in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Um, so in, in Abuna's absence, we're going to take a quick detour and do uh, a one-time um, review of a book called Holy Zeal uh, by Pope Shenouda. This book uh, is available for download, like all his books, if you search Holy Zeal PDF. Uh, it's a very good book, actually, and, and uh, as most of his books are, it's a collection of his, his talks that he's given in the past. So uh, we're going to talk about what is Holy Zeal, and we're going to describe basically how it works. We're just going to cover basically chapter one, and, uh, and God willing, um, you can get the book and read the rest yourself. All right. So what is zeal? Who can tell me what is zeal? Mark, what is zeal? You have a lot of zeal for energy. Yeah, energy. Very good. Energy is one. Passion. Okay. For what purpose? Like energy, passion. Abby, were you in servants me a few? Okay, you know this. <laughs> you don't have to answer. <laughs> any, any other characteristics of zeal? What is What, what makes up zeal or is it just energy? Like because all our kids have zeal. there's some action involved it's not just something internal very good do it yeah do it very good okay excellent so we're going to talk about zeal and in the and that's the great uh, definition and we're going to talk about its application in terms of holiness and and they're they're very similar with one slight difference so the dictionary definition of zeal is great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective so we've heard these words we've heard energy we heard cause, um, and then we add the words like pursuit, objective, enthusiasm. So there's three aspects, I guess, when we speak about zeal. There's the desire. So we have some kind of desire internal to us, and that's where the energy comes from. That's where the enthusiasm comes from. We have the labor, right? We talked about action, right? So zeal has to have some component of labor, and, we talk, and the word here is pursuit, right? We're in the pursuit of something. And finally, the third aspect of zeal is there's a purpose to what I'm doing. There's an objective, there's a cause. So maybe in my work, there's a zeal. I wanna make sure my business is successful. You know, raising my kids, I wanna make sure my kids are successful. So I have zeal in, in how I raise them, right? That's my objective. So when we talk about holy zeal, we see the very similar definition with, this, with the purpose being directed towards um, holiness. So if you look at Pope Shenouda's definition of holy zeal, it says holy zeal is a fire burning in the heart of a believer which impels him with great enthusiasm to strive his hardest for the purpose of saving others and building the kingdom. So we have the three components here, right? So where's the energy and the enthusiasm part? George, is it he then? <laughs> it's the fire, right? We have a fire burning in us. Where there's a fire burning and a desire inside of the believer, right? And then we see the labor. We see the labor part where we see striving our hardest, right? Striving his hardest. And finally, the purpose, and the purpose of all of us, if we want to live the life of true Christianity, is to save others and build the kingdom, right? During the Bold Conference, one of the speakers says we have two purposes in life, to know God and to have others know God, right? That's why we're here. That's why, that is our purpose in life, to know God and to have others know him. So with zealousness, our purpose is to go and bring others into the kingdom, right? Bring others into the ark, 
So if we look at the first characteristic is the desire. We talked about that. This is me repeating the three aspects that I just spoke about. The fire, actually, if you look throughout the scripture, Christ is often, or God is often um, described with this idea of fire. Of course, in the time, in the Pentecost, what did we see descend on the heads of the, uh, the disciples? We saw tongues of fire. Very good. Easy one. Tongues of fire. We also see in Deuteronomy that God calls himself a consuming fire. And Christ, when he came, he said, I came to send fire on the earth and how he wished it was already kindled. Right? There's a fire inside of all Christians who have been baptized. We see, he says in the Psalms, who makes his angels spirits, his ministers a flame of fire. And when we talk about fire, I guess my question for you is, how do you correlate fire and feelings or zealousness and feelings? Do you think there's a correlation? Do you think they're, you know, they're the same thing, feelings and zealousness? Or are they totally different or are they kind of related? What do you guys think? And you think about it outside the spiritual life. Do our zeal, does, our, does our zeal for something always have good feelings associated with it? No, exactly. I mean, like we talked about raising kids. Like, I mean, we're, we have z- we have zeal inside of us, of course, that we see these kids grow up and be and be like, you know, uh, love God and and to be well educated. But it's not always happy feelings the whole way through, right? It can be very difficult, right? So, zeal and feelings are not related. And this is like something for us in our spiritual life in general. Often we sometimes correlate feelings with a successful spiritual life. Right, how I'm feeling in that moment is how close I am to God, or how I'm feeling in that moment is how zealous I am. Those are not the same, right? They're completely different. A feeling is something that God maybe gives us once in a while to give us comfort, but it's not pred- it's not the foundation of which zeal and love is built on, and and our spiritual life is built on. So maybe God gives us good feelings occasionally, but we should not use it as an indicator of of zeal or how well we're doing in our in our spiritual life. The second aspect of zeal we talked about was labor and persistence. And Pope Shenouda gives the example of fishermen who have toiled all night. Um, you know, fishermen, they go out, they find the best places where they could catch the fish, then they have to bait their hooks, and they have to spend a lot of time toiling, right? They probably try and, you know, they pull up some fish, maybe there aren't good ones, they throw it back in, and they just toil all night. We see that in, in the scripture. And then the joy comes, of course, when their nets are full. Right? In the same way, we have persistence and labor. And when we talk about persistence and labor, and in the spiritual life, this is the key. Right, The key to having a successful spiritual life is found in the word consistency. Right, Consistency. We have to do it, and every day we have to do something, even if I don't feel like it. Right, And the same thing with zeal. Zeal is not, again, good feeling. Zeal is getting up and doing it. Right, Getting up and doing the work and persisting even when I don't feel like doing it. That's the definition of zeal. And the same thing in our, holy, in our spiritual life. Holy zeal is going up, doing our prayers, reading the Bible, doing whatever, even when I don't feel like it. That is, for that is kind of an indicator of where I am in my spiritual life and the zeal that I have. Actually, there's some beautiful verses about uh, people who persisted. And, of course, David is one of those people in the, in the scripture. And he says in Psalm 132, he says, Surely I will not go into the chamber of my house or go up to the comfort of my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob or the mighty God of Jacob. And actually, I think is this is the one we do in the 12th hour. Do we do the psalm in the 12th hour? It's, it's, it's something like I kind of, whenever I read it, it, it kind of, it's the opposite of what I feel at that moment, right? Because you're like, it's late at night, you're, you're praying, and it's like, 
I just want to go give, I want to go into the comfort of my bed, right? I want to give my eyes rest. And actually, David here, we see the perfect combination of desire and labor because his desire is not something simply internal. His desire is something now I'm going to labor. And a labor against one of the most difficult things that it is to labor against is sleep, right? That is one of the biggest temptations we have is like, I just kind of want to run through my prayer, or run through my reading so I can sleep, right? So this is a beautiful kind of like reflection on, on desire and labor, labor kind of meeting together in, in the person of David. Um, Pope Shinoda told, tells us in the book, he says, Thus someone whom holy zeal has set ablaze, there's that idea of fire, never lets up or rest until he finds a place for the Lord in the heart of everyone, so that by all possible means he might save some. Um, this, of course, uh, is from 1 Corinthians, St. Paul. And St. Paul is told about, talked about in St. Paul, of course, when we think about St. Paul, we think of someone who has zeal. Of course he has zeal. And he says even of himself that he labored more, more, more than all the rest of the apostles, right? So he is someone for sure that has zeal. And, and, and it seems like in the scripture he never lets up or rests. And he talks about how he became a Jew to win Jews and how he became weak to win the weak and how he became, I don't know what else he said, those who are under the law, I became like one who's under the law. All his desire and his zeal was in saving people and bringing people to the kingdom. So he had the desire, he had the labor, and he did not rest until people were in the kingdom. And like as, as this church, I mean, I convict myself first, 100%, because I feel like the, this idea of bringing others to the church and the idea of fire, I don't know if I really have that, right? Or do we have that? Is that something we think about when we leave these walls? When we meet people in our schools, in our work, in our, even in our own homes, people who are lost maybe, do we have fire? Do we, do we desire their salvation? Do we desire them to be in the church, right? What, am, what is my attitude when I go out into the world? Is my fire only meant for my, my own home for when I'm in church, or is the fire persisting whenever I go out um, amongst people in the world? So it's something, I think, for all of us to reflect on me first, that we have this attitude. And one way to do it is, you know, when I, when I meet someone, even if it's not even spiritual, right? We're just meeting someone at work. Do I say a prayer for that person? Just say like the Jesus prayer for that person. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on this person. And then we start to like have that always in our mind. We have that uh, always idea that my main purpose in this life is to know God and to bring people to God and to have them know God. So we can, we can really gauge our zeal, our holy zeal based on this one characteristic of ourselves. And we can build it up. We can really do stuff. We don't have to just say, I'm not like that. I'm not that person. We can do it. We just have to have that attitude when we go out into the world. And finally, the purpose. The purpose we just talked about. I just went on a little rant about it. It says, the zeal, uh, Pope Shunus says, the zeal is a fire in the heart of a person who is aglow with the Spirit, whose, lo- whose heart is kindled with the love of God, love of people, and love of the kingdom. So full of fervor, he works earnestly to fulfill his holy desires to save others and spread the kingdom. Zeal is the state of a heart that is fervent, ablaze with the love of God, which wants God's love to reach every heart. A person with such a heart loves God and wants all people to love him too. It's beautiful that you can see his urging in his words. Like This is what we're here for, to love people and to bring them to God. And the foundation of all that is love, right? And I think we have a difficult time now in our world to love people um, because we feel like we're being attacked and whatnot, right? We have a difficult time. We almost feel like we're in defense mode now. But 
in, in reality, everyone is God's child. Every single person is God's child, no matter what they believe, no matter what they do. This is a child of God that's made in the image of God. And God seeks only that we as, as Orthodox Christians go out and love them, right? And I'm not saying we tolerate everything that they do, but we love them and we desire that they, no matter what they do, that they also be saved and they also be brought in to the church. St. Paul says um, in Corinthians, I think, he talks about how if you don't have love, it's like a clanging symbol, right? So I won't have zeal. My zeal will be like a clanging symbol. And we, and in the U.S., I feel like there's this clanging symbols everywhere, right? Especially in the sphere of, like, politics. Like, we have this right side and this left side, and everyone's yelling at each other. And some one side's proclaiming Christ, and then there's division and all this stuff. And other people are not proclaiming Christ or whatever, and they're yelling. There's there's no love at all, right? There's no love. Uh, even when people are proclaiming Christ, it's causing division. You know, where's the love, right? It's like clanging symbols. Our, our our whole sphere of our life is clanging symbols around us. So there so there may be people who have zeal for Christ, but is that zeal built with the purpose of saving others, or is that zeal built on the purpose of putting others down, or or driving people away from God? That's not holy zeal. That's simply just zeal, right? Holy zeal is one that desires people to be saved. St. John um, tells us in the scriptures, he says, if you love God and hate your brother, you are a what? If you say you love God and you hate your brother, you are a liar. Very good. If you love God and you hate your brother, you are a liar. Holy zeal must um, be foundation founded on love. And so to that purpose, you have to have partnership with God. Zeal outside of having partnership with God is fruitless. It is fruitless, right? In Psalm 121, it tells us, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. And also for without me, Christ, you can do nothing. So our, 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 part, our, dis- our, our holy zeal has to be in partnership with God. When we, if we want to have holy zeal, we have to start looking at ourselves, right? We establish the first commandment, love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And then the second, of course, is love your neighbor as yourself, right? So those are the two greatest commandments. We have to have the first commandment if we want to have the second and vice versa. Like, the, they can't be separated. God tells us that we are his fellow workers, we are his field, we are his buildings. We plant, we water, and he is the one who gives the increase. So we can go out into the world and we can plant and we can do all this work, but without God, there's no increase, right? We have to have God to have, um, to have this holy zeal. Saint, uh, our Mother Teresa, she actually used to say, I mean, she obviously labored and she had a zeal, holy zeal for all these people she served. And she said that her ministry, the only reason she was able to persist and be consistent and, and, and do this is because every morning they would get up and do Mass before they went out into the to do their service, right? They had that time with God, the partnership with God before they went out and did their service. And same thing, of course, with Pope Carolus. We all know his story that he didn't do a lot of what we expect a pope to do, right? He didn't do sermons. I think they said he did three or four sermons. As a pope, that's like unheard of, right? He would uh, delegate all the sermons to other people. And I don't know in terms of his community service what he did, but he was a man of prayer, right? And he would spend many, t- many hours, of course, with his spiritual children. But he was a man of prayer. He had such a close partnership with God that we see the fruits of his service, like that we still feel the effects of this day. All of us who had never seen the man, who have only read about him, we still feel the effects of what he did because he had such 
a strong partnership with God. How much more can we do that How in the same way when we, our holy zeal is predicated on, um, or built on the, on the partnership with God? Uh, Pope Shuno also gives an example of, uh, I kind of like this example of like a light bulb, right? We're like the light bulb. And then how do you light a light bulb? What do you need? Engineer. Electricity, you know, like current, right? Current flowing through the bulb and all that stuff. And if you have like, say, too much resistance in the wire or there's a cut in the wire, what happens? Nothing happens. The light bulb doesn't turn on, right? God is that current and we are the light bulb. We want it supposed to be light to the world, right? We can't be too far from the source. Or the source has to, we have to be close to the source, Right? In the same way, if we're not close to the source, we're, we might be doing stuff, but we're not a light for the world. Right? So it's, a, it's a kind of a nice analogy to, to reflect on. Another aspect of, of holy zeal is actually sadness. Sadness. Sadness when we see other people far from God. Right? Do we feel this sadness? Um, in, the, in Jeremiah, it says about him, it says, Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Jeremiah was on either f- you know, filled with tears or on the verge of tears because Israel had left God, right? He felt so extreme sadness. He had such zeal for his people and the salvation of his people that it brought him to kind of a sadness and a depression when he sees them far from God. And, and, uh, I think in this, I think also we, because the world, we're kind of bombarded with sin. We've bombarded with things that we now consider normal, necessarily normal 20 years ago, right? And so we've kind of grown cold to sin, you know, cold to sin. We think, we see sin and it's just kind of like, okay, everyone does that now. Say like living together before marriage, right? Maybe scandalous 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Now it's like we've grown cold to it. We're like, oh, it's not a big deal, right? Everyone does it, right? So we don't have that sadness anymore because we've, 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 we've gone cold to sin. We don't have sadness when we see people far from the church. Or we don't see, we have lost sheep, many lost sheep in the church. Do we have sadness that we don't see them every day? You know, we're, that, that is an aspect of holy zeal, that I desire to go out and meet those people where they are and bring them into the church, even physically if I have to. Physically, I know someone who's not in the church will just call them Saturday night and say, I'm going to pick you up and we're going to go on Sunday right? That's an aspect of holy zeal. We have to have action, right? We have to have sadness for people who aren't here because we know what's here, right? We, we know what's here because we're here. What about those people that aren't here, right? Do we have zeal? Do we have love? Do we want to see everyone come into the kingdom? Pope Shunna says, how often do we weep over the loss of sinners without seeking after them to find them? So maybe we have that sadness, but then what do we do? What, is it, what comes from it? What is the action that comes from us. And I think if all of us took like a minute and just thought about two names of people who I know who I used to come to church and don't come to church anymore, h- how easy would it be? Maybe like ten, 20 people get called this week and say, I'm going to pick you up. We're going to go to church next week, right? 20 people. That's a lot of people. A lot of people, right? So maybe we can all do that. Think of two names and reach out to them this week and bring them next week. Now have zeal for that person. Have love for that person. We're going to talk just about four aspects of holy zeal other than the ones we've spoken about in Pope Shinoda's book. He talks about these four, and we're going to touch on them briefly. Um, the first one is wrestling with God. The second one is encouraging the weak. The third is not judging others. And the fourth is walking step by step. 
The first one is wrestling with God. And the most obvious one in the scripture probably is, Saint Mo- is Moses. Moses. In, in Exodus, the people had, Moses had, you know, been on the mountain for a while and the people were getting impatient. So they decided to do what? They built a golden calf, right? And they wanted to worship this golden calf. So we read in Exodus 32, it says, when the Lord saw this, he says, And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, and my ra- that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them. And I, will make of you, and I will make of you, Moses, a great nation. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, with great power and with a mighty hand? Yet now, if you will forgive their sin... But if not, I pray, blot out my book, blot me out of the book which you have written. What words in here do you guys think imply some wrestling with God? What what phrases? There's something kind of interesting in here that Mo- uh, God says and also Moses says. He pleaded with him. Yes, Moses was pleading with him. He was like almost begging him, right? That's what that's Moses had zeal. He loved the people. He wanted the people to be saved. It wasn't just about him. Actually, God promised to lift up new people for Moses. So Moses was good. Moses was going to be fine. But Moses wasn't happy with that. He says, no, I want everyone. I want everyone or else blot me out. St. Paul did the same thing, actually. He said he'd rather that all the Jews be saved in, at his sacrifice of his salvation, which is an unbelievable thing to say, really, if you think about it. And then what did God say that kind of implies that Moses was wrestling with him? Let me alone. It's almost like Moses like holding on to his leg, like, come on, this is what I want, right? Right? He said, let me alone, leave me alone. I want to do this, right? So Moses wrestled with God. Um, and I kind of, in, in, our, in our own lives, how can we wrestle with God? What do you guys think are some ways we can wrestle with God? Not a trick question. <laughs> it's like a kinder, it's like a, it's like a Sunday school answer. Yeah, that's great. And part of that wrestling is like preparing for repentance and preparing in every day, like reflecting on what my life is like and how can I be better, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's, that's great. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where I was going too, is like, in my prayers, is there, is there this aspect of pleading? Is there an aspect of I'm not going to let go? And this includes like, I know someone who's far from church, a lost sheep. What does my prayer look like? Am I pleading with God? Am I doing a matanya for this person? Am I like, my desire is so much of this person. What is my prayer? Is my prayer kind of just like a checklist? I'm, I'm not judging. Apologize. Because we, we all have challenges in prayer. But, like, we're trying to get better, right? So what does my prayer look like? We can all be self-reflective and say, is my prayer like I'm wrestling with God or is it something I'm just trying to get done, right? Actually, Pope Shenouda, in in another place, he says, when you're praying, you go to your room, you close the door, and you tell God, I'm not going to leave here until you bless me. 
I will not leave this room until you bless me and give me some grace, right? And that's something we can do. We can say, I'm not going to leave here until you give me your blessing and give me grace because I need it, right? So we wrestle with God and we plead with him. And of course, he is willing and able to help us right away. There's a story in, um, sorry. there's a story, uh, the parable of the unjust judge, right? And the parable of the unjust judge is a, is a judge who didn't fear God, who didn't like people, and, uh, you know, he was just a ruthless person. And then there's a poor widow, right? And this widow wanted to get justice from her adversary, someone that had, had hurt her. And he, she persisted. Every day she went, and she, and she begged with him, pleaded with him, and every day he would reject her and rebuke her. Until one day he said, I'm going to give her what she wants because I'm getting tired, essentially. I'm tiring of her. I don't want her to tire me out. Right? This is the unjust judge. And, and Christ goes on to say, like, how much more does your Heavenly Father want to give to you? If we just persist and we're consistent in our prayers, especially for those people who are not in the church or who are struggling in their faith. So let us labor. Let us, let us persist in our prayers. Yeah, second aspect is encouraging the weak. So now we've thought about them, we've prayed for them, and now we have to go and do work. We have to encourage, encourage the weak. Pope Shenouda says, the person who is full of zeal for the salvation of souls opens before sinners the door of hope and gives them a push towards it. I love this, like, way of saying it, right? He, it's like we're actively pushing them towards hope, right? We're not pushing them towards anything but hope, hope in God. So we, we open the door and we give them a push, Right? So maybe that door opening is saying, I'm going to come pick you up for church, right? And then we bring them to the place of hope, the church, right? So there's an action that we have to take. Um, The most dangerous weapon that Satan has with a person who's struggling in faith is what? Put them into a state of what? State of when a person is struggling, you don't want them to reach a state of despair, hopelessness, exactly, That's what Satan wants to get that person to. Despair, hopelessness, feeling like they are the worst person in the world and God wants nothing to do with them. This is his number one trick. And it is a big lie. It is a big lie. But if no one's there to tell them that this is a big lie, to give them hope that anyone can have salvation and a relationship with God regardless of what they've done and what state of life they are, if no one's there to do it, right, then they stay in a state of despair and a state of hopelessness. Right? That is our job with our holy zeal is to bring them hope, to push them towards that door. And even the greatest saints in our church, all the people in Scripture, they also needed encouragement. St. Paul we talked about, he needed encouragement. Multiple places in the Scripture, he kind of says he's struggling. And in 2 Corinthians, he says, For indeed our bodies had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts, inside were fears. Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, right? St. Paul, who we probably think about encouraging everyone else around him, was comforted by the, the fact that Titus was there in their presence. His friend was there with him. So all of us in this room, we have to encourage each other, no matter how strong we think we are, and encourage people who are outside this wall. And all of us encourage. We're all weak, right? If St. Paul can be weak, of course we can as well. Um, and in Christ himself, or God himself says in Acts, he says to St. Paul, do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack to hurt you. And another great character in, in, the, Old, in the Old Testament is Elijah, right? Who remembers the story of Elijah? What happened to him when he was downcast, when he was depressed, right? Does anyone remember what happened?
He ran away, right? He ran away. Yeah, he was scared. And he thought he was the only one left, right? He thought he was the only one who did not bow the knee, knee to the idols, to Baal, right? And God told him in a whisper, he said to him, get up, I have, I have kept 7,000 for you who have not yet bowed, bowed the knee to Baal, right? So Elijah, the great prophet, right, he was also weak at times and he did encouragement. So this isn't something that's like only, st- only for the people who struggle with their faith. This is for all of us that we have times where we need encouragement and we have to be encouragers to others as well. And when we do this encouragement for others, we have to be very careful not to judge. Very careful not to judge others or find fault in them. Remember we talked about our goal is to bring them to this door and door of hope and give them a push, right? Well, if we're going to sit and find fault and judge, there's not going to be much hope after that, right? We have to be gentle. Um, St. Pope Shunus says, zeal does not mean finding fault with others for not behaving according to some ideal, exemplary standard, but rather it means helping them to keep on aspiring to it. So we're like walking, right? We're helping. We're, We're encouraging. We're not trying to drag down. We're not trying to find fault. We're not trying to say, well, you didn't uh, fast Wednesday and Friday, so you know you probably shouldn't take communion or something like that, right? W- this isn't our job. This isn't our role. Our role is to be an encourager, to help, and that's what zeal is. Zeal is someone, when you de- desire someone to have something so bad, right, that you have, then you're going to do everything you can to get that person to that place, right? Judging them, finding faults, and doing it in a harsh way, I mean, there's time and a place for everything, right? But uh, doing that and dragging them down is not going to get them to where we want them to go, right? That's great. Yeah. No, that's a that's that's definitely something I'll remember. That's wonderful. Um, uh, so it says, Pope Shinu says, give strength to the faint-hearted, hope to despairing, confidence to whoever imagines that the life of righteousness is beyond beyond him. Okay. So when we are when we are walking with people, we continue to encourage them, give them hope, and and really try our best not to find fault. It's can be very difficult, but it's something we need to do. And the final step. What time? Okay. Um, the last step is walking step by step. Holy zeal does not mean trying to make the beginner travel the whole spiritual road in one go, for that is impossible in practical terms, but rather it means taking him by the hand and going with him step by step until he arrives on the right path. And I think this is the hardest thing. This is the hardest thing. Because it's very easy to do something one time. It's very easy to do something twice, right? But how do, what about persisting with them when they're going through their ups and downs? walking with them. You know, we have, we have Sunday school students, right, and we're supposed to call them every week. And sometimes, especially during, like, COVID, we lost a lot of kids, you know? They stopped coming, right? Uh, do we just say, well, they're not coming to church anymore? We kind of, like, or either call them once a year or what, whatever, or we just scratch them off the list. That's, that's not zeal, right? That's kind of like an administrative thing we're doing to try and just say, oh, they don't come to church anymore. Zeal is persisting, once a week, once every two weeks, reaching out, going to visit, you know, 
desiring them to be saved, walking them step by step. That is the hardest part, is continuing to be persistent in following those who need us, right? Those who we seek to find salvation um, and, and be in the church. And the other aspect about spiritual life versus other things, we live in a, li- in a world that really, like, everything is about instant gratification, right? It happens right away. That will not happen in the spiritual life. That will not happen. Spiritual life is a journey. It is a path we're walking. So same thing when we're helping others and we have zeal for others. Don't expect results right away, right? It's a path. It's a journey. And we have to, like, be patient. God himself is patient, right? Even in our own spiritual lives, sometimes we get frustrated. We're like, well, why am I still angry? Or why do I still have this passion? Or why do and I want to kind of resolve it quickly, right? Well, God is working, but he doesn't rush. He takes his time. And also, when someone is coming back into the church who's been far from the church, it takes time, and it takes follow-up, and it takes persistence. And when you have zeal, this is something that you will... Remember we talked about zeal not being feelings? This is exactly it. The feelings aren't going to necessarily be there, but the work has to be there, and that is a reflection of how much holy zeal I have. When you're, when you're working with this person, and you're zealous, and you're and bringing them back to the church... Um, Pope Shunus says, the more enjoyment this person finds in developing spiritual life, the more he'll long to progress and bring it to fulfillment. This will not come by controlling him or ordering him in various ways, but will come through natural unfolding. Our forefather Jacob spoke well when he said of his tender flocks that were nursing their young, if they are driven hard, all will die. So again, this speaks to being patient. We're not trying to force people we're there as an encouragement walking with them. If we push them too hard, if we're controlling them, then unfortunately maybe they will, go, they will go further away from the church. So again, this idea of being a support. And the last thing I'll talk about is, is when we're walking with them, we always want to aim for higher standards. Always aiming at making it easier for people to live according to God's commandment by raising the people to higher standards. Not by being lax and over-tolerant and diluting the commandments to bring them down to man's level of sin. So we're trying to bring people up, right? Up to a higher standard. And I think in the world now, it's the opposite, right? We want to make things easier on people. We want to be over-tolerant. We want to lax. So we just dilute the commandments and say it's okay, right? That's about tolerance, right? So we're bringing people to a lower standard. When we have holy zeal, we're trying to bring people to a higher standard, right? Because that is where love is. That is where peace is. That is where Christ is, right? This higher standard. So when we're doing this, when we're encouraging them, we have to kind of balance that pushing hard with also um, not being too lax, right? There's a balance, right? So people have to progress and progress higher. And our goal is for them to get higher. So kind of in conclusion, we talked about the three components of holy zeal, the fire, the striving, the labor, the salvation of all is our purpose, building the kingdom. We have to predicate this on the foundation of love and partnership with God. And we have to have this idea of sadness and the, uh, the idea of z- holy zeal with sadness for those who aren't in the church. And finally, the other aspects of holy zeal we talked about was wrestling with God, encouraging the weak, not judging them or pointing out their faults, and finally walking step by step with them on their path back to salvation. And glory be to God forever. Amen. Any thoughts, questions, comments? All right. I can stand up to pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Heavenly Father, for bringing us here together. 
for fellowship with one another, to partake of your holy body and blessed blood. We ask you, Lord, that we may go out into the world with holy zeal, desiring that all may be saved regardless of the state they're in and loving them and, and striving for them to know you and to love you. We ask you, Lord, that our lives may be filled with this desire to know you and to grow closer to you and to have everyone else know you and to grow closer to you. We love you so much, and we thank you for bringing us to this church today, and we thank you for saving us and helping us in all things. We ask you, Lord, to strengthen us and guide us and protect us through the prayers of your Holy Mother, St. Mary, St. Paul, and all your angels, saints, O Lord, make us worthy to pray thankfully. Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever.